and welcome back to an episode of Real Conversations. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Real Conversations is a podcast for those dedicated to doing hard things and living a meaningful life. This belief is perhaps best encapsulated by a quote from the great Teddy Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, nor the doer deeds could have done them better. Now the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. With that being said, welcome back to an episode of Real Conversations. And this is going to be a good one. Today joining me is uh, Dr. Brian Laughlin with a PhD in human factor psychology. Uh, he's a tech fellow. Um, I, I mean, you've got a patent portfolio of over 100 patents and disclosures and just the things that you have done are, are more than I can possibly, you know, talk about in an introduction. Uh, but I'm super excited and, and glad to have you here today, Brian. Thanks. It's, a, it's an honor. It's nice to meet you guys. Yeah. yeah. We got, we got John back in here too. Yeah, I'm not in frame if you're watching, but I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough camera angle today for some reason. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I there are so many places that, that we could start and talk about. Um, we, we've been talking for a, a good chunk here beforehand, trying to get some of that background in. I would love to start off with why did you go the psychology route in the first place? I know that you have an engineering side too, but why did that interest you? It's a really good question. So originally, um, so uh, my lame joke here, and you're, you'll understand why I'm not a comedian when I tell <laughs> you this. Um, so originally, I, I've always been very interested kind of in, in vision and eyesight and stuff like that, kind of sensory stuff. So I, originally, I was looking at becoming an optometrist, and I figured e either um, – I'd be an optometrist or a psychologist, and either way, I'd be an eye doctor. So, no bones. Um, anyway, yeah, so there's my lame joke. But, um, fortunately, not a comedian. Uh, please tip your way, staff. Um, at any rate, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I just think the world is a really interesting place. And I, I actually looked at being a clinician also, and I thought uh, it, it sounded really interesting at first, but I thought I could, I'd get bored with it. I'm, I'm pretty kind of... ADHD, I'm all over the place. I, the world's really interesting. And, uh, the nice thing about human factors is it literally is everything that we deal with as humans. So it's everything from policy and procedure to, um, you know, kind of cognition to uh, how do you lay out a, a factory environment. Like, it, it's all over the place. There's, there's just a million different things to look at. And it, it's, it's fascinating. It's always changing. There's always something new to do. There's always something better that, you know, can be better. So... In some ways, it haunts you because you I can't go to like a Burger King. I stand there in line. I start redesigning the place because I, I can see where there's areas that could be improved. So, What are some common things that are already in place, whether it's like phone numbers or stoplights or something that is an example of human factor and how that comes into play? Well, you, you mentioned a phone number is a really good example. Um, the reason why we have the, the seven digits is um, Dr. Miller, you know, seven plus or minus two digits is, per, is generally considered to be the, the length of our kind of working memory. And so, it, you know, we, we made it that, that length. Um, the funny thing about that, so that's not very much, seven plus or minus two digits. Mm -hmm. Right. The way, the, the fake on that, though, is that uh, as humans, the thing that we're really great at is we just make bigger and bigger chunks. That's how we cheat that, right? So if you look at it, um, a professional athlete, for example, Tiger Woods, amazing golfer, um, the stuff that he does is absolutely miraculous. If he broke down the golf stroke, the swing, stance, like all the different things, timing, like, there's so many variables, it, it's ridiculous mathematically to try to represent that. And, and, and you find that out real quick if you, <laughs> if you try to do simulations, you know, of, of these kind of things and make it look reasonable at all. Um, what we do really well as humans is, we, and just like computers, we, we take a lot of really little dumb stuff and we do it over and over and, and we basically teach our 
bodies to handle that stuff. And so we just continue to, to add more and more things and called chunking until we make bigger and bigger chunks. We don't have more chunks. We just have more associated in, within the different chunk pieces, if you will. So, yeah, so that's a good example. The, the phone number, you you hit it straight away. Good job. I, 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 <laughs> I set up. <laughs> I, I, I cheated. I listened to your podcast. Oh, with okay. Dan. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm less impressed now. That, uh, no. Anyway. <laughs> I'm impressed that you listened to it. But. Teeing it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So you, uh, your son's Dane Laughlin's been on the podcast like three times now. He's got a good podcast called X Art Work that yeah. you've been on a couple of times. So I was doing my research, and I thought, <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. I want to share it with my no, audience. No, no. That's smart. He, yeah. Dane's doing really well with that. And, well, and Scott, too, by the way. Yeah, Scott, too. I, I have not gotten to meet Scott yet, but Dane, Dane for sure, is great. Um, what are some other common, like, psychology things for, for how the world and things are set up and in, in the way they operate? Um, so it, at, at our core, we're, we make, we're really good difference engines. Um, a book that I'd recommend that I think is, is, is pretty awesome, there, there's a, a few of them that I'd recommend, but one of them in particular, it's called a Predictably Irrational. And this guy, uh, Dan Arely, I think is how you say his last name. Forgive me if I butcher that, but uh, really good books. Easily one of the best kind of cognitive psychology books out there. He's actually an economist. And he talks about how um, there's these little things. You know, we, we think that uh, as humans, we'll, we will dutifully weigh and measure all the data, and, and we will come up with the optimized answer and blah, blah, blah. We're real self-congratulating about that. It's pure lie. Like, you know, <laughs> we're affected all day long by stuff we have no idea about. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, he goes through and, and talks about some of those things, and I, I think it's pretty fascinating. Um, so, for example, one of the I'll just give you one of the vignettes he does in there. I think it's kind of cool. He talks about he, he does a little experiment, and he says, "Okay, we're going to have this dream date situation." So, you get to go on this dream date, and you can either go out with uh, Brad Pitt, or you know, kind of young, athletic, blonde-headed guy, kind of fair, or George Clooney, kind of genteel James Bond kind of guy, and. Uh, then he has a third condition, and the third condition is, and he has two different, two different kind of variables. The first condition is Brad Pitt, ugly Brad Pitt, George Clooney. So he takes the Brad Pitt picture and he messes it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of ugly. And and he has you know people evaluate who would who would you rather go on the date with, and uh, more than more than half choose Brad Pitt. So then he says, oh, interesting. So he thought you know maybe it's just how it is. So he he uh, he changed. He goes now he goes Brad Pitt. Ugly George Clooney, George Clooney. Well, more than 50% choose George Clooney now. Right? Crazy. Weird. Why? Weird. Well, because at our core, we're, we're compulsively comparison engines. We look at two things that are very similar. We're drawn to this, by the way. We tend to look at things that are very similar, and then we pick the better of the two of those is, is what we're compelled to do. Oh, my Interesting. Gosh. And so it can affect your decisions in an array of different things. Just something to be aware of. Like most people aren't aware of these things. There's a lot of this kind of stuff that it's funny because you talk to anybody. I, I actually do this. I, I speak at conferences quite a bit, and I'll actually be speaking with Dane at uh, AES coming up here in uh, October. I'm the chair of the ErgoX conference for Human Factors and Ergonomic Society. Oh, jeez. I'm the chair of the ErgoX XR conference, and uh, super excited about the lineup. It's going to be amazing. And then I'll go from there that same <laughs> that same week to the Augmented Enterprise Summit um, in Houston, Texas. And I'll join Dane and uh, a bunch of the folks down there. That's easily the best practitioner, uh, XR practitioner conference that exists. There, there's one called AWE, which is mm-hmm. great. If you want to go uh, kind of test different new technologies, it's kind of like the CES of XR, if you mm-hmm. will. Man, alphabet soup. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> Acronyms um, out the wazoo. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So extended reality 
and uh, CES is Consumer Electronics Show. So it's kind of the bizarre, if you will, to go and see what all the emerging tech is in that space. Um, really great conference, but if you want to hear kind of firsthand do benchmarking, things like that, if you're very applied and you're trying to figure out how to have your company help your company using extended reality, which includes augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality, things like that. AES is easily the best the mm-hmm. best conference you can go out in. Uh, I, I get the extreme pleasure. I've, I've been with this for quite some time. I've kind of helped Jeff, you know, with growing that conference over time. But uh, Dane is actually a speaker there now. So that's so cool. Super proud dad moment to actually yeah. get to go and uh, and and Dane kind of does the same things I do. He's a director for Coke, mm-hmm. and he's kind of mini me in a way. He, <laughs> he does the same. I get to say that because I got I was there first. But um, but yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. It's really really gratifying to have. Uh, be able to, to work in a field with with your kids and, and do those. Kind of, I've got four patents also with Dane and his sister Maddie, who's also brilliant and really a blessed guy. So that's that's incredible, super cool. Aren't you going to like the well, the World IoT Congress or something like that? Aren't you on that panel? I did that back in January. Yep, it was really an honor to be asked to do that. I went with Augmented Reality for Enterprise Alliance, which I'm a I was the head for the safety uh, committee for XR. And uh, I went over there with Mark Sage and, and a group. I got to to meet one of my, another one of my kind of heroes. We were talking about heroes earlier, meeting the astronauts and stuff, massive stuff I do. Um, I got to meet uh, the father of digital twins, Dr. Greaves. Wonderful guy. So cool. And it was it was neat to talk to him because I had some, I created an inventory control system called MinMax early in my career back in the 90s. And to be talking with him, and, and he actually mentioned, oh, you've heard of this thing, MinMax? And he started telling me about it. And I said, well, you're not going to believe this, but I actually wrote that. And he's like, no way. And I said, yeah. And he's like, oh, great job, man. You know, high five. And I'm thinking, man, this doesn't get a whole lot better than this. <laughs> right. You know, one right. of the guys I really look up to. So, and I know Dr. Uh, Tom Furness, he's the father of XR. Um, actually, um, he's, with any bit of luck, we're, we're trying to get him at the ErgoX conference. So these are, you know, historical figures. Um, these folks have forgotten. I mean, they, they basically, in, in many cases, nearly single-handedly created those different respective fields. And uh, Tom Furness actually is working with Tom Caudill and Dr. David Meisel at Boeing when they coined the term augmented reality um, at Boeing on the 777 uh, wiring limbs. Really? That was at Boeing? Yeah. Yep. Back in 90, about 92, 93 time frame. You were at the, the cutting edge of, you were at the forefront of cutting edge technology interlinked with the people that are also trailblazing this. Like it's, what an incredible place to be at. It feels very Forrest Gumpish. Um, <laughs> I can't run that that, that fast, but anyway. <laughs> Um, it's super cool. Yeah, it, it's funny looking back at it because I've been very fortunate to be um, kind of along the, the way and, and, and have some amount of contribution to it. So it, it's really an honor for that. But. So a question, I I took one psychology class total out of my entire history. So if I'm mixing up concepts, call me out. Oh, no but do you see the Pareto distribution, the idea that 20% of your inputs account for 80% of your outputs. Do you see that as something that is true in everyday life in the workplace? Yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I think sometimes it's actually um, a smaller percent. I think it's it, it can even go down to like 90, 10 in many cases. It depends on what we're talking about. But that, that's actually it's very accurate. Saying that basically that, that uh, 20% of your of your um, thing is is take, should, you know, takes up 80% of your time. Like it's, it's, the, it's that last mile type phenomenon too. It's the same thing. You see this with projects a lot of times too in, in industry and just around that, um, you know, people get clear up to the finish line and then it's a you know, monumental effort to get over the finish line. Why is that? I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, some of it is, I think, momentum. I think there's other things that, um, I think it, as you as it becomes 
you know, for maybe ADHD affected type folks that it becomes more and more certain. And ADHD people in particular are very um, intrigued by things that are novel. And mm-hmm. so as things become more and more rote and kind of mundane, they lose interest and they start trying to, they, they run out of gas basically is what, kind of what it amounts to. So I think, I think there's probably some, some of that in there. It's interesting though, that's, that's a really common phenomenon. How do you view ADHD? Like, do you think that's something that is a benefit and a superpower or do you see it as uh, something that inhibits you? I think it's both. Um, the funny, I've, you know, I mean, I'm a psychologist, right? I come, so I come from a whole class of us and, and I talked, I've got a bunch of friends that are MDs and all kinds of different, very academic, scholarly folks. And I'd say probably the majority of us have, we're on the spectrum. We <laughs> yeah. have some amount of, I think it's a prereq, honestly. Right. And I think <laughs> there's a mix of OCD in there as well because it, it's required. Like, you know, in order to do the level of quality work that you have to do in order to, to graduate, like, you you know, it requires that you're, you're on the, you know, on the end of the tail kind of thing by definition, right? So um, I, I'd like to think it's a superpower and in, in some ways it's a deficit and in others. It, it's a deficit in that um, it makes you continually thirsty and never satisfied. Like you're always looking for more input, more stimulation. And stimulation uh, comes in the form of novelty and um, things that are hard to solve and things like that. So it makes you a great problem solver because... You go, you run to the fire instead of away from it, which is good and bad, right? Um, also, because it, it's not really, it's really mislabeled. It's not really attention deficit. It's it's the opposite. It's that you pay attention to everything all the time, mm. and it's exhausting, right? So you notice patterns and things that other people would would miss because you're always con- you're always taking in a, a, a ton of information continually. And so it's funny because it's this really kind of diametrical condition like you um for folks that are um uh, that that are outgoing um they tend to be energized by that but to a point and then and then they shut down like it's too much mm-hmm. you know and it, i think it's because it, you're always on 110 percent, and so it's exhausting like you're you're you know you, you have to have time to kind of recharge your batteries if you will when you talk about needing time to recharge recharge your batteries the amount of times that I've seen ADHD in someone, they're just go, 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 go. How, what is your advice or how do you stop and just take a moment to recharge other than just going to bed? Um, so to me, I, I think recharging it doesn't mean necessarily have to like turn off. It means that you can, you can coast or you can you know, not be putting so much effort into things all the time. It is tough though, because it, again, um, you're always like ever aware of what's going on kind of a deal. So it, it's really interesting. Um, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm really bad on it, but I, I'm, I'm there, you know, and, 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 and I th- would suggest, you know, probably a, a lot of really high achievers that are that, that way. Um, and it's because again, you're, you're insatiably curious about the world. Everything's interesting. Um, the bad part is that when it's not interesting anymore then it, like you, the gas is off, there, mm-hmm. there's nothing, right? So it, you have to, and you have to make it interesting. And so for, for me, things that I've done that have helped me, um, what got me through grad school even sounds kind of funny. But I'm, I made a token system with myself. Um, I got into, and Dana Maddy, I'd like to think I have a couple of engineers out of them, <laughs> those two because we built bicycles when they were growing up. Oh, my gosh. Well, I had no money as a grad student. Like, you're, you're broke, you know, you're eating ramen and whatever. So, um, because you, I'm a car guy. I love cars. Um, but you have no money to do, you, like, you might be able to buy a seat cover, but that's, you can't do anything with a couple hundred bucks, right? But it, with a bicycle, if I'm willing to go dumpster diving and I've, I've got a, a welder and a hacksaw and stuff like that, I can make something really cool, you know. So we got into building these crazy bicycles. When I was in grad school, 
before I had kids, BC, before children. Um, and I started roping my fellow grad students into riding these bikes with me, and we formed this group called the Wizards of Odd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's self-branded, too. That's awesome. <laughs> that's the other thing is, we, um, Dana and Maddie and I all share the, the bad dad joke thing, so <laughs> we have terrific fun, but lots of groaners in there. And you, and you know you've really accomplished something as a dad when, you're, when your daughter starts and your kids start torturing you back with the same bad jokes <laughs> that you beat them with growing up. It's like... Yes, it, it took. No, but anyway, yeah, so we had this group called the Wizards of Odd. <clears throat> and it started with me building these bicycles. I wanted a mountain bike, and I can't just buy something to be happy with. It has to be cool, you know. So I set about building, building one. Mm-hmm. So I got this old Schwann, and uh, at the time in the 90s, they were doing these fade paint jobs on pickup trucks and stuff that were, you know, they'd start at one color and they'd fade to the different color at the bottom. You might have seen some mm-hmm. running around. The kind of resurgence in it lately. It's interesting. But so um, instead of doing a like a um, a scallop where you, there's a sharp d- contrast between the front and rear, I just I did a fade paint job on it. And I made, made this mountain bike, an 18-speed mountain bike out of an old 67 twin frame. It turned out really cool. It's got a, a tank in it, and across the street it looks like an old balloon tire bike. It has fat white walls and chrome Springer front end and stuff. But cool. when you get up on it, it's got 18-speed gears and die comp brakes and all this crazy stuff. So built that one, and then I was married at the time, so... Uh, my wife's going to need a bike, so I built her one, and then someday we'll have a kid, and that kid's going to need a bike. <laughs> so anyway, I got into building these bikes. Well, now I've got all these bikes sitting around and nothing. They're just gathering dust. So I started talking to my grad student colleagues that have no money, and they're, you know, and really no time, but we, we needed to have something to kind of outgas. And so I said, like, well, let's go ride in this parade, you know. So, so we started riding these crazy bikes and stuff, and then Dana and Maddie came along. And, and so they naturally got out there in the garage with me. And Maddie's a – she is a, a puzzle um, – savant she's ridiculous like when she's a little baby you'd sit her in a room with a 500 piece puzzle at you know two and a half years old and she just she'd be in there all day really wow. and she'd assemble the whole thing perfectly fine she had that kind of focus and it just it's just crazy so uh, yeah she and dana are both off the charts they're, they're both gifted as they can be I'm, I'm very fortunate that way and and they're not and they're actually tolerable so a lot of gifted people are just <laughs> they're insufferable <laughs> they're just but those two are, are amazing. They're just really good people, too. I, I love that. I'm really lucky that way. But So we got into building these bicycles. And the, so it was the token system, right, as I would, back to kind of where we started. <clears throat> the token system was if I was a good boy and I got through the articles and I wrote the papers and I did all the things I had to do, then I would allow myself to have like an hour of bicycle time. <laughs> and so that was what I did is I did this little token system, and, and that was – my little reward system worked. Like I, I would, you know, make these agreements with myself and it would help me to, uh, to stay focused and read the articles and do all the kind of things that I, that I needed to do. So I, I feel like having things that you're, you're working on and always needing to find new things that are exciting. I think that's in a way progress, like moving forward in life. Is that, does everyone not feel that way about like having an insatiable desire to make progress? I don't think they have it as intensely, maybe. I, and and I, I can't speak for everybody, but I mean, just for me, like I, and I have a million projects going at any point in time because I'm always, and, and some of it is I find that if I get stuck on something, like I have this continual need for it, like achievement, I have to always feel like I'm moving forward. Right. And so I'll have a handful of different projects and then this project gets blocked. I can't do any more. So I'll skip to this other one and mm-hmm. I can make progress on that. So I'm still getting my dopamine hit, I guess, is right. what's happening. <laughs> But it's funny because I haven't, I, didn't, I only recently really kind of recognized this about myself. I've been doing a lot of kind of thinking about that kind of uh, meta, you know, trying to get into, well, what is it that makes me tick? And 
kind of in this life 2.0 thing. I, my kids are grown. I'm empty nester. And, yeah. Um, which is, by the way, was the hardest thing. I, nothing ever really prepared me for not having my kids, having Dana and Maddie around me. Really? Wow. Even I, all the products you have going on? No, I I get a lot of really great energy from those two, and they're they're just really neat people. And so that's probably been the hardest thing about them kind of growing up as a dad, you know, and, and uh, I was a scoutmaster for Dane. You know, he was an, a really young eagle at 13. He got his eagle. Wow, that's early. It's crazy. Yeah, that's and he, insane. I had to kind of go to bat for him. It's funny because he, um, the other leaders at the time, they weren't super chuffed about that. They're like, uh, I don't know, man, mm-hmm. it's pretty young. And I was like, wait a minute, if you can do the crime, you get, you know, you do the time kind of deal. And like, if he, he's performing, so there's no reason for him not to. And, um, yeah, so, and Maddie, same deal. She just, just dropped her second single. Um, oh, she's an artist. Oh, yeah, yeah, iTunes, uh, Spotify, all the all the major That's platforms. awesome. Oh, that she's, re- she's ridiculous. Both of, they're both re- just renaissance in the extreme. It's crazy. They, they grew up doing children's theater. Um, I swing dance with Maddie. We salsa dance. Like, she acts and sings. And, and then she's an engineer, too. She's a, <laughs> she's a civil engineer. Like, it's, it's just stupid. Like, wow. I aspire to, I wish I was half the kid either of mine turned out to be. It's, it's crazy, I'm, how I got so lucky, I don't know. But anyway, we have a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, that was that's one of the hardest things is, was a. Uh, I think I was more prepared for just about everything than just not not having my kids around me all the time. Yeah, I I mean I have no clue how that can only feel, but you seem like a very proud dad. And John and I have gotten to know Dane a bit, and he is just incredible. I mean, both from a mentor, but also as a friend. Like we haven't met Maddie, but Dane has been as stand up as he can possibly be. He's got a big heart. Both of them do. Yeah, it, and. Like that's the that's the the best you can hope for really as a parent is to is to have, you know it it's to me it's a great plus if if they're brilliant if they're athletic if they're you know, good looking kids all that type of stuff but at the core like what we need is more really just solid solid good people and um, I mean you know you, you deal with Dane so we just don't have that 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 caliber of folks I don't find him as often as as I'd like so I really I really appreciate that about he and Maddie both like they're all hard Dane so. I'll, I'll, do, I'll tell on both of them a little bit here. Um, <laughs> when Dane, he was still in undergrad in, um, in school. And I, I don't know about you guys. When I got done with college, like my, my finals, don't talk to me. I am dead <laughs> like, at least two days. Like, yeah, do not yeah. talk to me. D- expect me to not answer the phone. Nothing. Because like, I, I mean, and I'm probably getting sick, honestly, because you just throw the candle on the fire, right? Mm-hmm. So it was, it's been about six, seven years ago. I get this call um, Friday. Dana just got Thursday or Friday. He just got done with, with, you know, with the exams. I said, "Wow, you know, hey, Dad, how's it going? You know, oh, one thing I love about both my kids, hey, Dad, I love you. Like first things right yeah. off That's that's golden, by the way. Anybody tell your parents you love them. Like they, that really means the world to him. Anyway, so he calls, and I'm like, "Wow, I'm surprised you're. You know, is this, wait a minute, is this Dane? You yeah, know? <laughs> are you sure? And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." He's kind of laughing. He said, "Yeah, I noticed there's this uh, at Old Navy. They have this thing. You know, the, the polar fleece is." a dollar each, you know, for hats and gloves. And got to thinking, man, you know, too bad I don't need any of that stuff. It's such a great deal, you know. And he said, I got to thinking, you know, we have all these homeless folks, and they don't have anything. And I was going to take 20 bucks down and, you know, get whatever I could. You know, would you want to come do that with me? And I said, that's outstanding. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so I'll kick in a hundred wow. bucks. Let's see what we can do. So we go down there, and we, we clean out. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot left. Yeah. And uh, we're standing in line. I said, hey, yeah, you know, it's too bad we didn't know about this in, in advance because, you know, we could have talked to some other, I'm sure we have friends that would have kicked in some money and we could have got more. And he goes, oh, wait a minute. So he pulls up his phone and he goes on the fly and sets up a square account. He's the, 
he's the uh, was the president of the Greek Council. Mm. This, there's a whole other story behind that. He was going for his fraternity, and he got kind of politically um, didn't didn't win. He was really upset. Yeah, he felt like it was maybe the best situation, and so. He just went ahead and became the president of the whole Greek council. So I thought that <laughs> <laughs> he's always been that way. He and Maddie both, like it's not a, not a safe bet to go against either one of them. Anyway, so he um, he goes, well, wait a minute. So he sets up a square account, you know, does the selfie thing, takes a couple of pictures of us standing there at Old Navy. He says, hey, here we are at this at Old, Old Navy. We're buying these, these, you know, hats and stuff. Does anybody want to contribute? This is a bunch of college students. Like they're eating ramen. These po- these folks don't have money. I, that I, still I is it. us. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, so I understand it. Like it's not lost on me, right? Yeah. Within an hour and a half, we had like three hundred bucks, which I oh. I thought wasn't outstanding. Yeah. You know, right. from people that are eating ramen and watching out their their plastic bags and stuff. At least that's what we I did when I was young. So uh, we we clean ended up cleaning out three different old navies with all the stuff they had. They contributed some coats and stuff like that, and we ended up um, folks from the the Fraternities and sororities came out, and on Christmas Eve we went out and handed all this stuff out, distributed it to the to the uh, the homeless folks. I mean, amazing, really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maddie, you know, came and we all did this. And so that ever since it's been a thing. We call it uh, Warm Wichita. That's, That's really, really cool. cool. We try to do that every year. Um, during COVID, we kind of got shut down because it couldn't go out and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, Maddie's since taken it over, and uh, we we now have expanded. We do these little kind of bags, you know, that mm-hmm. have a hand sanitizer and like feminine hygiene products for the women and stuff like that. And uh, we, we it's, it's a kind of a tradition. We try to do that every year. And, uh, that's really cool. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's the kind of thing like that really, that's just an, an example. And, and that's Dane and Maddie. Maddie's a, a, a big sister. She has a little sister. She mentors. Mm-hmm. Dane's part of the Boy Scouts of America locally. He's on the board. You know, he's on the advisory board. Like these people, Maddie started she kind of revitalized. I guess the green group might have existed beforehand, but she became the president of it. Somehow convinced WSU to give up ten thousand dollars, and that's like <laughs> that's squeezing blood out of a turnip. Right, like, right. I don't even know how. That's that's that should be that's biblical kind of stuff. Anyway, so she got them to give her like ten grand, and she built a bunch of raised gardens out back one of the buildings where it was all brambles and stickers, and now they grow food there. And she gives. The, what they teaches people how to grow their own food and mm-hmm. then gives it to the international students who often don't have a whole lot of money. So just that's, it's ridiculous. These guys are always thinking about what they can do to give back. And I, I love it. I couldn't be more proud of that. You know, yeah, that feature of each of their personality. That, that is awesome. I, cause I feel like our generation and I guess maybe Dane is the generation above us, but still, I feel like this general generation always gets kind of, uh, beat up and ragged on by the older generations. And I don't know that I agree with that analysis, but in your mind, how do you create more stand-up characters and, and good people for the next generation? I think it starts with being present. I mean, you know, I, I, um, I'm sure I'm, I'm man, I, by no means, I'm, I'm sure I made plenty of mistakes. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I did the very best I could. But I think that we've somehow gotten into this kind of push-button, 24-hour, instamatic throwaway society. And a lot of kids were raised by the square-headed babysitter, you know, a TV or a computer. And so here's the tablet. I don't really want to put any effort into asking questions and thinking about stuff. And so, and uh, you know, I was, uh, I didn't get to have a dad around when I was younger. I mean, my parents were divorced when I was pretty young. And so a a really important part of it for me was to be the dad that I didn't get to have. So I felt like I, probably a little bit selfish. It was a way for me to kind of heal myself through actually spending that time with my kids. But um, yeah, I think I think we just have to be willing to invest, 
and and lean into the the nasty stuff. Like it's you know it's it's rough sometimes, and and you don't and what works with one kid doesn't work with another, and there's no like I I, I studied this stuff. I'm a psychologist, but e- even then you're you're about half the time wrong, mm-hmm. you know. So so you do the best you can, and then you buckle up and you hang on, <laughs> and that's that's really that's all it is, and 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 then you just keep showing up every day. And, and you don't, you know, you might lose the day, so there's another one tomorrow. And you just keep coming back and you keep coming back. And I think that's that's a big key to that kind of stuff. And, and I think that's what um, what makes Dane and Maddie win in a lot of the things that they do is that they, I joke about, like, I, I feel like I'm maybe smarter than the average bear, but I have a really hard head. Like, you know, you better pack a lunch and yeah. bring some friends along because it's going to be a rough ride. Like, yeah. I, I'm pretty, pretty, uh, you know, persevering. And that's really the key to a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. is you just keep showing up, you keep showing up. And uh, so it sucks. You don't win today, then you win tomorrow, and you just keep coming back. I love it. You <laughs> mentioned that you have an extensive career in psychology. Whenever you meet other people, or I guess even raising your kids, both of them, do you psychoanalyze people? Do you find yourself <laughs> falling into that? I actually so I actually avoid. It's funny, I don't, unless I'm in like a setting like this where um, the credentials are kind of important because folks want to know, you know, your background and stuff. I don't usually... It's not something I lead with, mm-hmm. and the reason why is because, and, and I, it was really sharp corners were put on this. It's kind of funny. Um, I was at a, at a, a Christmas party with my dad and my mm-hmm. stepbrother and my stepmom. Um, this has been years ago in Crofton. I was in, in grad school. And we're, we're, it's at Christmas. We're talking. We're going around the circle, what everybody does. Well, my dad worked was a field branch chief for the IRS. My stepmom worked for the FBI. My brother was military intelligence, and then I'm a psychology <laughs> guy and you want to talk about crickets like it utterly <laughs> shut the conversation down and like people are just looking at each other nervously like um how about those mats you know it's really it's crazy but um I, I get asked that and usually my replies I'm, I'm pretty cheeky I say well what makes you say that you know people get nervous but no I, I mean um I'm, I'm always paying attention to what's going on but the biggest thing that I for what it's worth that I think I take from my my background and just the experiences that I've had is and, and hopefully this would help somebody out too. When people are mean to each other, they act in ways that are not toward. Um, it's because they're struggling. It's not. It's not generally the other person. Like the people's behavior has almost nothing to do with other people. It's everything to do with themselves mm. and where they're at. And so, <clears throat> when you understand that, the day that I really kind of deeply got that was a day. I think I, I learned grace. That's that's cool. That's really cool. Because, you know, people, um, I think we all do the best we can with what we have. And so um, people who are, are really rude or mean or stuff like that, they're they're fighting their own battles. And we, we don't, we're not privy to that. We don't know what they're dealing with. And so I think if we can, if you can just lead with kindness always, like that's, that's the only answer I know. Yeah. So. That's a, that's a great way of putting it, honestly. Because you really don't know what other people are going through. It's you see surface level, and that's that's really it. No, and 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 those of us who've had the worst times, a lot of times, are best at kind of hiding that stuff because we've had to. Like it's it's defense mechanism, it's survival techniques, right. and so it it means that you embed a lot of really bad habits, you know, in how you deal with people. And so you know, anyway, just for what it's worth, that that's that was a really big thing for me is when I um kind of began to understand that that um, that. It helped me to, to learn uh, grace and, and to give people um, kind of a little bit more room to, to do and be who they are and, and to not uh, maybe be so critical and not take it personal. 
like the stuff that they're they're fighting demons. They're trying to outgas. And so one of my jobs at Boeing, I, I do a lot of, I'm a, t- I'm a tech fellow, and I do a lot of uh, lean. I'm a certified lean coach. I go clear back to the 90s with this stuff. Like I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. So um, when I go into these situations, a lot of times I get pulled in in the 11th hour. We've had four different guys come through here. We've had all these different workshops. Nothing stuck. Nobody's having it. They don't believe in this anymore. Like, they're really upset, folks. And so the first thing I have to do is get them to, to come down. You, you can't do any logical kind of rational thinking in, unless I can get you out of your emotions. And so I have to come along and I have to say, I know you've been abused. I know this has been rough. I understand. I need you to trust me. I need you to take my hand. We're going to go through this one more time. Give me a chance. We'll make a difference. And so when we, when we go through that, um, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've been called all kinds of really interesting things. <laughs> people get real, I mean, and, but it's not, it's not me. Right. It's not for me. It's not my cross to bear. It's not my, my thing to take. And so, again, when you understand that, that people, their behavior has almost nothing to do with me and everything to do with them, then you don't absorb that. You don't, it's not for mine to carry, right? Mm-hmm. They're just trying to outgas. So the best thing I can do for them is to help them get rid of that. They're trying to, to wrestle those demons, so help them get rid of them. And, and so when, I, when I'm talking to them, instead of, oh, rah, rah, and they, you'll come at me, <clears throat> I'll say, well, what if we did this? Oh, rah, rah, and they, you know, they're just kind of vomiting all over what I just suggested. Right. Um, so what, that's, not, that's not dissent. That's not that they disagree. It's that I'm really upset. Mm-hmm. And so you have to hear that for what it is. And so I'll say, so they'll, 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 I'll say, so tell me more about that. So you mean this? And I'll, I'll start reflecting back to them. I'll tell them exactly what they just said. Yeah. No, no, no. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> it's kind of like the dog whisper thing. Yeah. It's because they're still trying to outgas. They're like, you know, quit harshing my buzz, bro. I'm trying to get through this. You yeah. Know? Right. So I, I stay with them. I say, okay, I get really curious. So tell me about this. So tell me about that. Okay. So what you mean is this? What you mean is that? I just keep testing them on, you know, on occasion. Well, eventually they start coming down. And it's because they're getting through the emotion, right? Mm-hmm. But I have to exercise that because they can't get through that until they, until they outgas enough. And then I'll hand them a marker or something. I'll say, well, I'll start trying to, I'll, I'll get a, like a, on a whiteboard or butcher paper. And I'll start trying to write down, listen, no, wait a minute, slow down. This is important. I want to make sure I get it. I'm honoring them by listening to them. I'll start writing it down. Now, wait a minute. At some point I hand them the marker and I say, I need you write it down. If you can't draw a picture of it or write it, then you don't really understand what you're thinking. You need to think about it some more. Well, now they're starting to listen to me. First of all, because I'm paid attention to them and I'm actually right. listening to what they're saying. Second thing is I'm, I'm starting to draw this stuff out of them, and they're starting to cross over from their emotional brain into their logical thinking. And so once they start thinking logically, the other thing that's really interesting, and see if, see if this is helpful for you guys, um, this is a, a competition um, positioning. This right. is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Across, across from each other? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, this is very threatening. If we were closer, it's, it's you know, we have a, a bubble yeah. that we perceive socially, and it changes by different cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Middle Eastern, for example, it's it's closer. Yeah. So when, when we're facing each other, a lot of times I find people are in violent agreement. They're they're arguing outside, but they really mean the same thing, but they're so caught up in emotion that it's it's emotion, emotion, emotion. It's not yeah. It's not what they're saying. It, it's, it's how they're saying, right? So what's really cool about that is, is this is competition, but when I take that and I put it on the wall and I hand you a marker and you start working over here and then now I'm standing next to you, this, this is cooperation. Oh my yeah. gosh. And we're both looking at that thing, right? So we took these, this feels real personal. If I say something and you, you counter it yeah. because you're making a counterpoint, that feels real personal to me. It's not, you're yeah. just trying to counter the point, but it's because of this, this stance, right? 
But when we do this, and we're looking, both looking at the wall, now it's cooperation. Now it's us against that thing. We can do whatever we want. We can, we can tear it up and throw it in the trash and start over. It doesn't matter. And that's really, really powerful. I've seen people that were fighting violently. They were in violent agreement. They just couldn't realize it because they were so emotional. And it's magic. Like once I did that, and I got them standing there looking at the wall and thinking critically about how can I draw this, how can I write it down, suddenly they're agreeing. And it's amazing. And they realize it. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and now we're teammates, right? But you have to be willing to invest in it. And you can't run away when that person calls you a name or screams at you or whatever. Um, you, you, can't, you can't be scared of that. And that, that's, that's the, to me, that's a secret with that type of stuff. I hope that's helpful. No, that's incredibly helpful. In fact, this is a trend that I want to follow. John, if you could lead, I have to send a quick email. Sure. But no, you're, yeah, you're good. I mean, I think that's fascinating, actually, because you never really think of body positioning as confrontation or something like that. It's just where you're sitting, but it goes so much deeper than that. One of the things that's interesting, too, like when you're talking with, with people, um, their body will tell you what they really mean. And what I mean by that, like if, if somebody, if you're talking to somebody, they don't really want to talk to you, and here's a little little tip, a little trick you can do. Look at their feet. Look, are their feet facing you or are they facing away? They have one foot towards you, one away. They want to escape. Their body, their language, their body language will tell you how they really feel. And that's what, one of the things that makes the remote stuff so hard is it's, it's called cues filtered out, right? It, it's a very limited channel that we're communicating through. And so I always prefer, if it's a high volatility type thing, really important, that type of stuff, we need to be in a room together. Yeah. I can't really do that well remotely because I can't, I can't hear the, the, the changes. I mean, I can't over, over a, like a WebEx or something. I can hear your voice and stuff, but I can't see your body positioning. I can't tell how are you relating to me. You're like we're talking. You're you're engaged. You're leaning into me. You're telling me I'm interested. Right? Mm -hmm. Both you guys are. So um, you can't read that stuff when you're when you're remote. So it, it it really ties your hands behind your back, and you can't really tell what's going on with people. So if you were going to optimize my podcast, so you talked about being collaborative versus confrontational. What would how would you have the podcast laid out in a physical setting where they're in person? This is a little bit different because you're. This is also intimacy, and I don't mean. Sexual kind of thing, but, but but it's also like you know it, it's it's very kind of personal and, and right and so um, it's intimate. Well, yeah, but, but um, when when you're if it's volatile, if it's something where people are agitated and upset, that's where that that comes into play. I find anyway, mm -hmm. it's really helpful to have that that partnering location kind of a thing. Um, same kind of deal too. Like I'll go into a room sometimes and I'll have people. Um, it, it you know things can get political. Big big companies, whatever. It, every, we're political animals. It's just that what it is what it is. Yeah, why is that? <laughs> I, you know, we, we all have our own objectives that we're trying to achieve. and So, I mean, I understand it. It's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. It's just a bad thing when it's hollow. You know, it's fin. But at any rate, so one of the things I'll, I'll try to do is, like, I'll go into these meetings. And it's kind of funny because you can see it upsets the apple cart a little bit. You'll go in and there'll be these two teams and they, they square off on opposite sides of the table. I'll go around and I'll sit in the middle of the, <laughs> <laughs> of the group. And they're kind of like, like what? <laughs> and it's intentional. Like right. I, I want to shake this stuff up a little bit. I want, this is a team. Like I'm not here to fight you. I'm here to, for us to, us to get through this. And it, it's funny. Um, it's interesting to see how people respond. You're breaking a social norm, like it's an unsaid rule. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like you, you know, you go to a class, and the next day you come to class, you expect to be in the same seat you were in. Like you kind mm -hmm. of, this is my territory. I established it. Well, so go sit in somebody else's spot, 
it's it, this minor infraction kind of thing, but it's it's just funny. There's little stuff like that that we do all day long. We're not really aware of it until it gets violated. And then you're, and it's not like you don't generally throw a fit about it, but you go, you, you feel a little tweaked. Like yeah, what like we have these general rules for life, and whenever someone is not abiding for them, you're like, what's going on? Did he not get the memo? Yeah, well, well it's, it's like when you hold a door and somebody just walks through and nothing. And it's like. Wait, like, wait a minute. You, you could have said thanks. Or, this is the Midwest. We say thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to fly here. We, you know, we do these things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of funny. That's really cool. Whenever you talked about uh, having the disgruntled employee and you just sat there and you asked more questions, it kind of got to the root of the problem. That reminded me of Simon Sinek, Start With Why. It's exa- he's, one of my, he's my favorite author. The guy is amazing. That is, one, that is probably the best business book you could possibly read, in my opinion. It's incredible. I, yeah, highly, highly recommend it. If you haven't read it, read it to your listeners, please do yourself a favor and read that. He crystallizes in that book so many things that I've held nearly religiously for my entire career. He's exactly right. Uh, Super powerful. What was important about that book to you? Um, so as a technologist, one of the big problems that I run into is we tend to uh, tend to fall in love with our own reflection kind of thing, right? It's a, kind of a... Um, I'm a technologist, for, therefore technology is, the, is king kind of a deal. And the problem is the solution for problems is never technology. Technology is an enabler. It can control, accelerate, and or distribute. And in some ways, if, if you're lucky, it transforms through some combination of that. But technology is never the solution. Technology is an enabler for the solution. The solution is a better business process. And the, so, again, it controls, accelerates, it distributes, right? So the three main ones. The problem is that is that um, that, well, controls, acceler- the accelerate piece is the, is the problem. Because I can take a really crappy business process and I can speed it up really fast and I'll say, well, see, it's better. See? No, it's not better. It's garbage. It's really fast garbage, but it's fast garbage, right? <laughs> you can be, you know, dead right and you're still dead. So don't do that, right? So um, I'm a big fan of going back and really understanding what it is you're trying to accomplish. Um, go back to the start with why. That's why I love that book. It's such a great book is because he talks about um, – Understand what what is your mission? What's the soul of your intention? Um, and and I, I explain that to people a lot of times. Like I'll, you know, talk about Boeing. You know that we uh, you go to anybody in the street and you say, "What's Boeing?" They'll say, "Airplane company." No, we're not an airplane company. We are a connection company. We help people and things to coalesce at a time and place. That's our mission. I would suggest mm-hmm. how through Bernoulli effect and all the physics and stuff that go into into making an airplane fly what the airplanes that we build, the services that we offer that enable you to, to coalesce in a time and place with your loved ones and, and have things come together. But we don't necessarily build airplanes because we love, I, mean, I love airplanes are great, but we don't build them because it's fun to build an airplane. We build them because we have something we're trying to accomplish. Nobody who bought a drill wanted a drill. They needed a hole. And so if you can get, if you can understand that, it changes everything about how you approach solving the problem, right? It, and that, uh, that how, what, and why circles uh, referred to as the golden circle by yes. Simon Sinek. Yes, Just yes. an incredible principle. Oh, it, it, it's so powerful. If, I think if most people understood and paid close attention to that, it would solve a, many, many of our problems. It's frustrating because, it, speaking for myself personally, like I want to feel like I'm in control and like I know what's going on and that I am doing the right things. But he, he has the idea of asking why five times over and over again to get to the real root and your real motivation behind wanting to do something. 
And that is something that I struggle doing because I don't want to get to that third why. And I start to question, well, is this really what I want or the fourth <laughs> why? And it's like, am I heading in the right direction in my life right now? Like it takes some real honest self-reflection and evaluation it's to strength. do it. Yeah, that's strength of character. And and it's funny. So Simon didn't invent that. That's actually lean principles that probably came from Deming. And Engineers. Ar- arguably, <laughs> arguably, we taught that to the Japanese and it became part of the Toyota production systems, mm-hmm. which became uh-huh. the production systems eventually. But, um, but yeah, this, this is, and he, he leverages it to great effect, but, um, I love Simon. He, and he is such a good storyteller and he crystallizes so many things that I've held just deeply true and says them in ways much better than I could. He's, he's really, really good at that. So unrelated question, but I feel that your answer will be interesting. What do you think about intuition? So I think intuition is, is the expression of a lot of patterns that you've learned over a, a long time. It's basically, it's expertise, right? And expertise, it's not, it's not magic. It's, it, it's that you've learned these different patterns. You've, you've noticed a bunch of different variables and they line up in a certain way. And so it helps you to kind of shortcut the process because you, you see what's, what the result is and you've tested this multiple times throughout just being experienced. Um, so I, I don't... Th- you know, I don't think it's some people try to act like, oh, it's third eye, you know, woo, crystal ribbon. It's not. It's really not. It, it, it's about um, condensing and kind of coalescing life experience. And, and also I think there's some amount of pattern recognition where you take different things from different areas and you say, well, this is kind of like that. And so you arrive at new kind of, um, uh, I don't know, conclusions based on this n- new syndrome of variables that you've, you know, dealt with and, and because you've tested it enough that you kind of have a certain amount of uh, statistical probability, like you understand, you know, where that's kind of going. That, that's my sense of it anyway. Following that train, what do you think of, of a uh, coincidence? Um, I think luck favors the well-prepared. Dane said that you have to play in the street to get hit by the luck bus. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, yeah you, or otherwise, you miss all the shots you don't take. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to say it, but that's exactly right. Um, you know, it's funny that people, the, the myths about kind of success and stuff, they think that, you know, like you just wake up and you're magically blessed and angels sing and, clouds part and it, it's not that way it's it's messy and ugly and innovation same thing it's funny that people think you know this lone man crying in the woods dr frankenstein kind of thing he gets hit by lightning and he comes up with this great innovation is largely a team sport and usually you're building on the, the success of others i mean i am I, and i'm very fortunate that way I, i'm surrounded by just amazing people i'm not just proud of the folks i work with i'm in awe of them like i these guys are top and gals are top shelf clearly like in in industry and that's, that's, if I have a secret to success, it, it's, it's surround yourself with people that are better than you because they, they will make you rise. Like what, you know, that, that is something that I think is important for our listeners. Cause a lot of our, <clears throat> our audience is around John and my age. I'm 22, John just turned 23 coming out of college or maybe even in college. How do they, or even we get into those circles of people that are going to elevate us and going to raise our standards? So I think look to the people who are doing the things that you want to do. Never take advice on something that, you know, from somebody who's who's not doing better than you are in that particular thing. There's a lot of a lot of folks out there they want to give you a lot of advice, but look at what they what they're actually doing and where they're at instead of what they say. Anybody can talk, big deal, right? Um, and if you're the smartest guy in the room, you probably need to find another room. <laughs> you know, if you 
um, so th- that's a big that's a big part of it. And nobody can know all things. Like the, and uh, you know, I think sometimes we we put these unrealistic expectations on ourselves and stuff. Like we're, we're st- you're still human. You're still going to make mistakes. And, and instead of uh, lamenting and like celebrate them, there's there's nothing. You know, I think the problem isn't that we have problems. The problem is that we expected we wouldn't. And when you change that frame, then everything changes about how you look at the process of air quote failing. And it's the whole Thomas Edison thing. Like I'd, I'd never failed once. I, I figured out 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. I think that's ex- <laughs> it's exactly right. He was a great marketer. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> I think he's spot on. You know, it, that's really, um, that's really the key to this stuff. And I hate to be, you know, like repeating that kind of stuff, but it, it really, it's true. Um, and you never know, you never know how close you are to the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Like you could be right on the cusp of it and then you quit. Isn't yeah. that crazy? It's, it's nuts. Like it's, you know, if, if you, you know, fall down six times, get up seven kind of thing. It, it really is, um, is the secret to it. That's the mind boggling thing to me is that I used to, and people often think that success is linear whenever it's exponential. It's like a hockey stick and you never <laughs> know when you are right there about to just completely accelerate through everything you've ever wanted. When it's a jaggedy hockey stick, like you know, <laughs> three steps up and two back and four down, and yeah, you know, like it, it's it's a scribble. It's not it's not a line at all. That's you know anybody who's done this stuff and had any success kind of understands that. And mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing you can do is to instead of running away from that failure, is run to it, run to the fire. You know, like the better you get at handling that and recover. It's not really about it's not about not making mistakes. It's about recovering from them really quickly and learning from it and doing something different. You know, in a better way. I think. And, and I say all these things, and that's really easy to say, but I, I mean, you know, it's a continual struggle. We're humans, and, and you have to just keep forcing yourself back to the, back to the, the fire. But back to the, your point earlier, you know, don't, don't take advice from people who haven't played in, the, played in the street or been in the arena. Like, you have gone through the gauntlet. So the words that you're saying, like, they're really hidden right now. Like, this is awesome. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, yeah. And, I, and I'm lucky, and uh, if I'm fortunate, it, you know, to have gotten anywhere in this stuff. It, it's because I've, I've had amazing folk colleagues that I work with, like the, truly the, the quote about standing on the shoulders of giants. Like it's, I've had amazing mentors. I, I, I continually, and it's funny too, people think too, there's this linear thing like I'm the mentor and you're the mentee and blah, blah, blah. And it's one way. That's crap. Like if you're, you're a complete idiot. If you're mentoring anybody and you're not getting at least as much out of it as they are, mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. I mean, I'm telling you straight out, like you, you should be gaining out of that relationship and learning how to, how to not only to be a better mentor, but, you know, like what's going on out of that relationship. And uh, it's cool. Like I it just, uh, the world's an interesting place. And um, I agree with you too. I, I think that younger people, a lot of times they get kind of a bad rap. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've seen some, I've seen some of the stereotypical, eh, I'm lazy, I want to, yeah. you know, everybody hand me stuff. But I've been fortunate to work with really brilliant uh, young people and they give me hope for the future. Like you guys, um, for one of the things that's really interesting for me about what they now call kind of digital natives is you guys don't know a time without the internet. No. Like it's natural yeah. for you, right? And so you intuitively do things and don't think anything of it that a lot of older folks kind of my age, I'm kind of a weird animal because I'm kind of a foot in both worlds and that I'm kind of a techie guy and I'm always kind of pulsing this stuff and paying close attention to it. But um, yeah, the, uh, the younger generation and you guys, one of the things I really admire about the younger generation this is super cool. Is you guys are principled. If you believe in something, you you want you you want your life. You know, my generation titles and money and this you know kind of all these trappings of success. And you guys are like, 
screw that. I want freedom. Like I want to do what right. I want to do. I want to enjoy my life. I want to go to the, to, uh, you know, ACL and, or, and go, go you know, dance and have fun and, and go kayaking and hiking. And like, you can keep the title. No, thanks. You know? And I, I just think that's awesome. I think a lot of times we get too wrapped up, you know, we, I can't remember who said it, but they said, you know, we were, we're in debt, you know, spending money that we don't have on things we don't need to impress people that we don't like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think you're, I think largely, um, unfortunately that a lot of the YouTube influences are, I don't think fall in this category, but a lot of you guys don't care. Like, you know, zero given about yeah. that stuff. Like I'm, I'm doing me, you do you. It's all good. If we meet in the middle, perfect. If not, good luck. Like have, have a good life. I don't care. And I think that's awesome. And I think that's, I think that's changing the world. I think it's making people, you're taking the power, right? Because I, I don't, I'm not playing your game. I'm checking out. No, thanks. You know, keep that. And I think that's the right answer. I think it's so, yeah, that, that's really cool for me uh, from an observation perspective about like you, your guys and generation in, in Dane, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, like Maddie, one of the things about Maddie, like she lives her truth. She's all about. I was going to say that. She's all about green, you know. Yeah. Um, she's out there picking up trash. Like if, if you're walking with her, talking with her, and she's noticed there's trash, on, she stops and picks it up. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make a thing of it. She's, you know, she uh, she's vegan. Wow. But you don't get a lecture about, oh, you're killing Bambi and all this. I mean, whatever, you know, if that's your thing. But, yeah. but I, I love, I, I, I'm more impressed by people that live their truth than people that talk their truth. Talk's cheap. Mm -hmm. I mean, all day long we get that, blah, 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 everybody coming at you. Be the, be the change. You know, actually do what you're talking about. Way, it speaks way louder. Dr. Jordan Peterson, I, I love a lot of his quotes. And he's got one uh, about living the adventure of your life is to live your truth. And what more exciting of a life could you live than that? I love that you're quoting Dr. Jordan Peterson. He's one of my favorite guys. Oh, he's, he's awesome. Oh, man. I, I love listening to his talks. Like, just his principles, they take more than one time to listen to, to, to have them kind of set in. But... It, he's so right. Like whether that is making a difficult decision and it's one that you prolong, but you know, that's the right call to make, like living your truth is the most exciting way you could live. It's some rough medicine sometimes. I mean, it makes you really look at yourself and, and I think it's awesome. You know, he's considered to be uber conservative and a lot of people kind of slander him and stuff, but uh, I think he's a pretty brilliant guy. And I love that there's a generation, you know, a, a younger generation of folks who, who find wisdom in that stuff, and they are seeking that kind of leadership, and they want to be that person. They want to be that leader. I, I, I think we sorely need a kind of return to, uh, to, to masculinity. Mm -hmm. We need men to be to be men. We need them to stand up for what they believe in and protect women, and to, to do all the things you know. And and that's not toxic. That's that's what we were designed to do. And I, that doesn't mean that you're a jerk. It doesn't mean you have to be rude to people. There's, I mean. What's funny is they, they a lot of the stuff, it's mistaken. They call it toxic masculinity. No, that's just toxic. That's not masculinity. <laughs> right. Masculinity doesn't act like that. Right. Right. So I, I'm not buying that stuff. I don't think there's anything toxic about, about being loving. And I, th I think that's, that's really important to define that and to, and to stand up and say, no, didn't, you know, not on my watch. It's, I'm not standing for that stuff. I'm going to be a gentleman. I'm going to be the person who you can rely on. I'm going to, to do what I say, you know, those kind of things and set the example. There's nothing negative about that. Yeah, I think the whole toxic, I think that's a fabricated thing. I think it's kind of a, a BS thing that could, because real men don't act like that. Right. They're not toxic. They're the opposite of toxic. Well, and there's so many 
categories and word traps and, and things that you can fall into at this point in time right now. And so to, to constantly be concerned in the back of your head of, am I going to get canceled for this belief or should I do this or should I not do this? What are the repercussions of these words versus those words? It is just exhausting. Oh, it is. Well, and the thing that gets me is it's so fickle. You know, who, who is it that determines that? Who, who decides that? Because if you can find examples of exactly the same kind of behavior. Sometimes it's even worse that it gets called out or not. And it's all at the determination of, I don't know, whatever power that be is that points the, sh- the spotlight on whomever it is. And it really frustrates me. Like, have a standard and stick to it. Right. If, you know, it, even with people, like, if you're going to be a jerk, be a jerk all the time. It's cool. <laughs> like, I, I, I can deal with you. Own it. <laughs> yeah, just just be what you are, and, and then I'll, I'll act accordingly. But, I mean, I'd, I'd prefer you not be, but um, I, I think we, we spend so much time dancing around that stuff. Who's got time? Like, We've got other things that are way more important to do. Yeah. Well, that's why I titled the podcast Real Conversations, because I, I want to cut through a lot of the BS that's out there and have like a real good old fashioned, I think of it as Midwestern, but a sit down conversation. I think it's awesome. I, I love, you know, um, and I love it when, like, I, I intentionally, I've, I've got some, some friends like on Facebook and stuff that, that are severely, like completely antithetical to the things that I believe mm-hmm. and whatnot. And sometimes they come at me really, really hard. I have people, why don't you just, you know, essentially kind of cancel them, you know, I'm like, no, I, I never will because I want them. I don't know that I'm right. Yeah. I know what I, I, I'm pretty good at what I believe. I'm an expert at it. In fact, I can tell you, <laughs> um, but I don't need you to agree with me. Yeah. It's not a condition. Like I, I know I don't need that reassurance. I'm comfortable with myself and what I believe. What I do need is for you to check me if I'm doing stuff that's wrong. I need, I need to, to and, and I need that feedback so I can continually ask myself and say, are you off base? Does that make sense? Like, is that still fair? And so, no, I, I choose. I lean into that. I, I want, I, I, I welcome that, that discourse. I, I, I prefer that it's um, respectful. Right. And I, I, I pretty much demand that. Like, if, if you're just being a, a jerk and hurting people, then that's a different deal. And I, I don't really have time for you. But if I don't think that never mistake disagreement for dislike nor an argument for a fight I think that's really important. Wow. Those are wise words. That right was there. awesome. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, I think sometimes we, we do. Like, we, we mistake that, that you're, you're energetic or you're passionate about this. We, we mistake that for anger or, and no, it's, you're just, uh, you, you're just, you feel it. Like, you know, that, that's cool. We, we don't need, don't be scared of passion. That's awesome. Just understand where it's coming from and mm-hmm. make sure that you're, that you're, you know, uh, fielding it correctly. Because I, th- I think sometimes we get agitated and we're not sure. Like, we, we, we feel a certain way and then we try to make sense of it. And that's sometimes, I think, where the mistakes are made. It's like the, the misattribution thing I was talking about earlier that people are upset. And it's not that they're mad at me. They're just upset. I'm just a convenient target. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's okay. I mean, help them. Help them, help them out, gas. They're trying to do it. That's okay. Go with it. No problem. The amount of overlap between you and Dane is crazy because we talked a lot about about a lot of similar things as, as we are now. And one of the specific things he said was, I was giving him a little bit of pushback on a conversation, respectfully, and he goes, this is great. Why can't people have pushback in conversations anymore these days? America needs more of this. I, I love it. That's great. I, I agree with that too. And Dane and I, oh boy. <laughs> and Maddie too. I need to get you and Dane and maybe Maddie on here too. Just like all, of, I'll just put the mic in the middle and you guys go. We, I mean, we, we go at it pretty hard sometimes, but it's never, again, it's what I was saying, you know, disagreement for dislike or argument for a fight. 
In fact, it's it's the highest form of compliment I think you can give is when when I feel safe enough that I can we can actually go hard at something, and I know that it's not personal. I'm not going to hold that against you. You know, I'm not going to have my feelings hurt about it. It's just difference of opinion. That's okay. I don't again. I, I don't need you to confirm. I don't need a yes man. I'm an expert at what I think. I'm really good at it. Trust me. <laughs> I don't need you to you know, nod your head. I, I, it's great if you agree, you know, yeah. sincerely, but I don't need that validation. I, I need what I need is what I can't provide myself, and that's a, a difference of opinion, especially if you've actually th- spent some time and thought it through. Like I'd prefer you not just throw trash at me. You know, come at me with some good stuff. Like yeah. let's let's talk about this. Let's get into it. It doesn't hurt my feelings a bit. I, in fact, it's it's the highest form of flattery I can think of. And it's funny because people who are not used to that, they, they will describe that as bullying behavior. Oh, how come you're, how come you just can't take what I say? You know? And it's like, I'm trying to take what you say. I'm, I'm interrogating it. I want to understand it. Like it, I'm not shining you on. Yeah. If I didn't, you know, if I, if I didn't, didn't respect you, I wouldn't waste my breath to ask you these questions. Like, I don't mean to be rude, but don't flatter yourself. I (laughs) I don't have any interest in just fighting with you. Let's, I got lots of other things I can do that are way more fun. So, yeah, I, I think I agree. I, can, I mean, I love that he that he said that. Yeah, it's funny as a dad, like you drop these things and you hope that it, it sticks, and then you hear it later on. It's like, yeah, that's that's good. I, I picked up good. I picked up a lot of good things from my dad, but I got stuck with a lot of dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a blessing one day when you. I don't know if you have kids, but when you have kids. Don't have kids right now. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 pretty awesome. Like I said, you you know that you've really arrived. Um, I remember it's been a few years ago, but Maddie, she would be with her friends and we'd go by like a, a graveyard or something. She's like, people are dying to get in that place. And I'm like, yes, that is literally that my, my girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, okay. As we start to wrap up here, I've got a couple more questions. One of them being the tagline we have for the podcast is do hard things and live a meaningful life. So I wanted to ask you, what does it mean to you to live a meaningful life? That's a really good question. Um, Take your time. For, for me, a lot of it's a, about kind of accomplishment. It's about it's about testing boundaries and seeing what I can do. Like, to you know, amaze yourself, you know. Set some kind of a goal. Set some nasty, wicked, hard goal. And then go after it and, and see how far you get. And so maybe you don't make it all the way. Maybe you make it halfway. That's Okay. I mean, and maybe maybe it changes. Maybe you get in halfway into it and you decide, no, that really wasn't as honorable or whatever as I thought it was going to be. You know, a lot of times the idea of things is better than what they really actually are. Mm-hmm. So I, I think me, living a meaningful life, um, a lot of it to me is about is about connection. Like I'm, I'm a really fortunate guy. Like I, my kids are awesome. I, I, I get along with them great. They're a couple of my best friends. That's a really cool thing. Like if, if the parenting thing goes well, at the end of it, you have a couple of best friends that there's no way in the world you can be closer to anybody. You, you just can't have that relationship with anybody else. It's so cool. It's, oh, it's amazing. Oh. And then the other thing is, like, I, I, Maddie and I dance. We do swing dancing and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And we do uh, – it started out with the thriller dance, by the way. <laughs> we learned the Michael Jackson thr- – we do flash mobs every year around Halloween. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, for about six, seven years running now. And Maddie's really good. It's fun. We have a good time doing it. And then we got into swing dancing and salsa and stuff. So I have this amazing – I tend to, to build and – curate uh, communities of people, whether it's martial. I was really into martial arts when I was younger. I had a taekwondo school. Um, That's the, awesome. The bicycle thing. Oh, it was a lot of fun. I really miss those guys, too. Like, we're, you'll never be as close to people that you, that test you, literally, yeah. on a physical level like that because you, 
they teach you about yourself every day. Like you, you know, they're showing you here's where you're lacking. You need to fix that. You need to shore that up. Um, the dance community. I've got this incredible dance community that I'm part of with salsa and swing dance and stuff, <laughs> and it's just it's just great. Like you know, like so Timbao's going to be playing tomorrow night at uh, Barley Corns, and best salsa band around. It's a family. It's a mother, dad, father, son. Incredible. And then you add so that that's swing Latino, and then you add like five more people, uh, brass and and whatnot, and it becomes Timbao. And uh, like I'll walk in there, and we're probably at least twenty deep with my fellow students and stuff in salsa and bachata and stuff, you can mark off the first 15 minutes, at least 20 minutes, to handshakes and hugs and, hey, how's it going? And that connection, like, we're, we're designed to be with other people. And that's, I think that's a really important part of a, a, a life well-lived and a meaningful life is, is having those connections with people and, and those memories. And, you know, you, you can only have so much stuff, but those memories, like, it's just, it's crazy. And I, I don't take a bit of it for granted. Like, and especially, like, with COVID, we got locked down, and you couldn't have that connection, and that kills me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I live for that stuff. I love that connection. So um, I say every day, be grateful. Yep. You know, um, gratitude is the attitude, and, and really, uh, you know, just be thankful for what you have and, and really appreciate it and enjoy it and make those connections. Call that friend. Call your parents. Tell them you love them. Um, be the first one to extend your hand, shake the hand, hold the door. Uh, you know, all the things like just be that person, be, be the change that you would like to see in the world. And I think if everybody would just give a little bit, like we, we could, we could get so much farther with that stuff. And a lot of the problems that we have in the world today would just melt mm-hmm. if everybody would just extend themselves just a little bit. And if the, so the person snubs you or whatever, that's okay. That's their problem. They're, they're the ones dealing with, you know, give them a little extra grace. Like they're having a tough day that day. You know, I'm going to treat you how you treat me. No, I'm going to treat you how I am. I'm going to treat you how I treat you because this is how, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. You don't get to control my attitude or my perception of the world. That's, that's I think that's how we're, what we've got to get to. To me, that's kind of a more of a, a life well lived, if you will. That I'm not reactionary. Don't put your key to the happiness in, in somebody else's pocket. Like, you know, live with intent and, and, and set that example. And be willing to extend yourself, and and uh, because you never know who's watching, right? It's amazing how um, and Dana and Maddie do this sometimes. It, it it's always amazing. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, and you did such and such, and you said this thing. I may or may not remember. A lot of times I don't. <laughs> you know, something about it was really inspiring to them, right? And thank God, you know that I said the right thing at the right time, and it was helpful for them. So you never know when that little extra word of encouragement or just being kind to somebody. And do, one of the things I, I've gotten to do more of lately, it's kind of fun. Like if I'll go through the drive through I'll buy somebody Starbucks, you know, behind me. Nice. Or just randomly give somebody a flower or hold a door. You know, I try to find something like that I can do every day. And it's amazing how I had somebody do that to me, and I was just blown away. <laughs> I was actually on travel for business, yeah. having a really crap day. Like I got up later and I wanted to, and I was – frustrated and somebody ahead of me paid for my Starbucks. You know, it, I mean, it's expensive coffee. <laughs> it's a $5 coffee, but I mean, it made way more than a $5 impact. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I think that's, if we can just have a little bit more consideration and, and don't be scared of those, of those connections and just be your authentic self. That's, that's uh, I think what I strive for. I love it. John, do you have any other questions before I wrap up? No, I don't think so. I really appreciate you coming on. It was 
super inspiring. Yeah, honestly, thanks. it was thanks. awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm tickled that you guys know Dane, and he's he's such a good guy. Like I, I'm really proud of him, and I'm I'm, I'm thrilled that you guys are are all buddies. Absolutely, you guys give me hope for tomorrow. <laughs> honestly, um, it's not I all don't know about that. <laughs> no, I, I I think it's awesome what you guys are doing, and I, I would just wish more people would just have these conversations. Like Dane said, yeah, yeah. Come at me, bro. Yeah. It's okay. You know, I'm good for it. Let's let's have this discussion. I think that's awesome. I wish we would do more of that. So I, I appreciate um, what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it, Brian. I wish you all the luck in the world and happy to, whatever I can do to help you out, let me know. Thank you. Well, Brian, where can people find you online if they want to connect or learn more? Um, gosh, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Dr. Brian Laughlin. You can look me up on there. That's yeah. more of my professional stuff. I'm, I'm also, you know, on Facebook and Instagram and things like that. Um, yeah, I'll probably connect on to me on, on LinkedIn yep. you know, from a professional perspective. But, uh, yeah, get out there, go dancing, live your best life, have fun, you know, smile, try to laugh every day. Like, just you only get one, one go around on this thing. Enjoy yep. it. Yep. And uh, you can find John and I at the Jacob OC and at the John Pete. The podcast is at Real Period Conversations. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And uh, I have one more question for you. But first, our camera died, and uh, <laughs> I need to point that out because John said to me, "Hey, you should plug you should plug this in before we start," and I didn't plug it in. <laughs> so yeah, that that one's biting me in the butt. Uh, <laughs> But we're still good. I got all the audio. We'll figure it out. I had a good time talking <laughs> with you guys, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Brian, for my final question, looking back at this really cool journey that you've been on, what advice would you offer to your 22-year-old self? You know, I think, and I've, I've tried to give this to Maddie and Dane, and I appreciate that they that they, they, they do it. Like, slow down. Like, go enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Go travel. Like, they're, they're better. They're more travel than I am. You know, at their age, I was married and slogging through grad school and you know I had had kids pretty young and I was you know so um, like stop and breathe and smell the roses and like enjoy life like it, it it's it, it's not a race you know you don't have to just run headlong you know like um, I, I think that's really important I do I do think though find what your passion is and I do think that you should run headlong like you're like you're on fire towards that like really be engaged you know figure out what what you want to do. And, and, and it's okay if it changes. Like, it's going to change over time. Your, your tastes aren't going to stay the same. But just be willing to be really engaged and be in it. A lot of people live this kind of milk toasty, gray, beige life, like, you know, garbage. Don't, don't do that. Man, life is supposed to be uh, exciting, you know. It, Maddie, we, we go to, to church, and, and uh, our, our pastor talks about Zoe life, like Zoe, you know, it, it means life, but yeah. it's, it's not life. It's life. Mm-hmm. It's, yes. You know, I think that's, that's what I, what I strive for. And that's what I would like to, uh, hopefully more people, you know, in, encourage people to do. Yeah. If you, if you guys want to learn how to do salsa dancing or I swing can't, dancing, I can't dance to save my life. Me either. Well, nobody can like it, it's fancy <laughs> walking with music, but if you want to, I mean, happy to get you guys connected. We have a great, great community, super supportive, um, we never have enough guys um, th- to be leads, you know, for the ladies. And so you will be amazingly popular. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. We like may need cool. someone to lead us. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it, you, we, when you're first learning out, it, yeah. you know, it, it's pretty cool. But one of the things I think is kind of funny about, like, when Maddie was in college, um, you know, Bar- the Timbal would play at Barleycorn. Mm. And she would get her sorority sister. I probably shouldn't say this um, out loud, but 
they would sneak sometimes. They'd, they'd sneak in the back door kind of thing. Oh. Not because they wanted to drink, but because they wanted to come dance with me in the, in the, in the dance community. <laughs> nice. So it was pretty awesome to have these young ladies that were excited about, no, we want that connection. We want that. We want to have fun, you know. And so they would they would come in. And, and in fact, dancers in general, are, we're, we're pretty boring in terms of drinking. We don't. <laughs> we're terrible you know, at a bar. Like, yeah. we're not very good patrons because we don't spend a lot of money. We're there to dance. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. That's cool. Highly recommend it if you guys are interested at all. It's a lot of fun. I think you'd have yeah. a good time with it. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.